Oh man, feminism has so much to answer for. I mean, destruction of the family, uh, massive debt, uh, hugely increased rates of child abuse among single mother households. And something that's not talked about enough is the turning of smart, ambitious young girls into prostitutes. And I'll put the sources to all of this below. But this is an article from Zero Hedge. I'm going to explain to you exactly why this is occurring and really how to avoid it. The question is, and I wish this was a rhetorical question, but it's not. The question is, why are so many top-tier college girls turning to soft prostitution? And it starts kind of like an ad. Are you a rich guy who wants to bang debt-laden college girls with all your extra money? Are you a struggling college girl facing decades of six-figure debt so you can follow your unsinkable dreams? Great news! Thanks to the internet, your bases are covered. As we've previously reported here and here, soft prostitution may have been going on for a long time, but its normalization is relatively new and undoubtedly linked to the $1.5 trillion-plus student debt problem. Now, that's just in the U.S. As an example, and these are phrases I'm not happy to be familiar with, according to Sugar Daddy Sugar Baby website Seeking Arrangement, there are... 1,304 students at Georgia State University signed up to be sugar babies right now, up from just 306 in 2018. Given that there are 15,277 female students at Georgia State, nearly 1 in 10 girls at the college are willing to whore themselves out to make ends meet. Now, of course, the answer is it's probably much higher than one in ten. Oh man, now I've got that UB40 song in my head. Anyway, it's probably much higher than that because there's more than one website where you can sign yourself up to be a sugar baby, a, a, a prostitute. So then there's a list of uh, top 20 sugar baby colleges. Of this list, several universities are considered top tier, such as UCLA, University of Southern California, Columbia, and New York University. According to Seeking.com, and I quote, Sugar babies do not want to be in monotonous traditional relationships prescribed by society. That no longer works today. Rather, she is seeking a modern relationship, one that is different and matches her ambition and drive, with a romantic partner who can play the traditional role of provider or gentleman without placing unreasonable limitations on personal growth, according to the website. <laughs> Bet you're going to get some growth there. They're going to require a lot of antibiotics. So overall... There are 2.7 million U.S. students students signed up and 4.7 million worldwide. 2.7 million U.S. students signed up. This is just the formal arrangements on particularly tracked websites or, or a website. It could be many millions more, probably is. Informal arrangements, uh, friends of friends, uh, uh, personal ads uh, on the dark web, you name it, right? So according to the website, quote, students registered on seeking arrangement get help paying for tuition and even more benefits. Finding the right sugar daddy can help students gain access to the right network and opportunities. College sugar babies can also get help paying for other college-related costs such as books and housing. And while the site claims 4.5 million students across the globe, seeking arrangement says it has 20 million members worldwide of which students are most common. What do... The sugar babies do with the money they earn with their vaginas. 30% is spent on tuition and other school-related expenses, while 25% goes towards living expenses. Meanwhile, the average sugar daddy is 41 years old and has an annual income of $250,000. Most common professions are tech entrepreneur and CEO 
are their top two occupations, followed by developer, financier, lawyer, and physician. As for cities, New York tops the list, followed by London, Toronto, and Los Angeles. And this is where the nature eye-poking woke feminism has dumped girls into the laps of creepy older guys who bang them for money so that women can pay for college tuition. That is the world that this wreckage, this monstrous collectivism, Marxist, leftist, hysterical, paranoid, vicious ideology has left women. See, in the past, women used to get married. And they could, of course, pursue education as they saw fit if they wanted, but they got married. And then they had monogamy. And see, in monogamy, if the woman is going to have children, the man pays for her bills, right? Man makes $50,000 a year. He's paying for two. I mean, give or take, they get $25,000 a year. It's funny because, you know, when you hear about the wage gap, you never hear about the husbands who are paying for their wives' bills while the wives raise their children or do other things. You never hear about the massive transfer of male energies to female pseudo-entrepreneurial activities like, uh, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to have a tech website, whatever it is, right? But you just don't hear about this stuff because women are getting paid when they have children. I mean, how about the wage gap? People talk about the welfare state transfer from largely male taxpayers to almost exclusively single moms, right? The welfare state is a single mother state. Trillions of dollars have been transferred. Is that counted as closing the wage gap? Well, of course not, because if you include all of that stuff, women make vastly more than men. So, look, I mean, complaining about this kind of stuff and, and waxing moral, which is, you know, tempting, but, but ultimately sort of pointless, because you have to look at the underlying causes here. Let's look at what is really going on here. Why are at least 10% of college females turning to vagina rental to pay the bills? I mean, it's degrading, it's horrendous, uh, it's monstrous, and they don't end up with a protector, right? You understand, the, the women just end up used up, broken, their capacity to pair bond destroyed with a sense of shame and ugliness. Because, you know, when it comes to this kind of prostitution, you know, there's all this, well, I'm just non-traditional, I'm, I'm woke, I'm sex positive, I'm blah, blah, blah. And I, come on, you're just, you're just taking money for sex. I mean, let's, let's, you're just taking money for sex. And that's wretched. Now, you could, oh, well, you know, all marriage is prostitution. Nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Because, you see, in a traditional marriage, the man works, the woman raises the children, runs the household, supports him in his career, and he ends up making a fortune. It's more profitable than if they're both working and then... Right, see, most women, they don't earn that much for reasons we'll get into in a few minutes. So what's really going on, of course, is that a woman makes at most a couple of grand a month and then you've got taxes, you've got a second car, you've got expenses to get to work, you've got clothing, you've got dry cleaning, you've got lunches, you've got you name it, right? So what, uh, what happens is that there are very few women who can earn enough money to pay for the replacement childcare workers who need to take care of the children while the woman is out there LARPing as having a productive career. Like, it just doesn't work out. And, and if you do that math, and, and I really strongly urge people to do that math, if you do that math, you'll find out most likely that the woman on average is earning, you know, Singapore shoe-stitching wages in return for dumping her kids on strangers where they're most likely to be neglected or maltreated. 
So now, of course, you can say, well, what about if the woman is fantastically rich? Like she's, she's just, she makes a quarter of a million dollars a year. It's like, okay, well, if that's the case, she's most likely married a man because of hypergamy, right? The marry up, she's most likely married a man who's making even more than she is. So again, it's not necessary for her to work. You say, oh, well, then she can drop out of the, well, then society, if she drops out of the workplace, I think it's 40% of women who got an MBA don't even work in business, in the business world then what's happened is society has trained a bunch of women to not be in the workforce, which is a huge waste of resources and one of the reasons why economies are struggling in the West enormously, right? So, I mean, if a woman doesn't want to have children, you know, like Ayn Rand style or Ann Coulter style or whatever, and that's, that's fine. It's a perfectly valid choice. I think it's a little selfish because, you know, we all enjoy the gift of life and not paying it forward seems a bit kind of greedy, like four billion years led to you but you don't want to get up at night and change diapers, so it all ends with you. Four billion years of evolution or whatever just kind of ends with you. But if you want to be childless, that's fine. If you want to have children, though, and you want to be a good mother, then you have to be home to raise your children. Sorry, oh, well, why don't men men raise children? Because, you know, our breasts are all taps, no plumbing. We don't don't breastfeed, man. (laughs) We just don't breastfeed. It's just the way that it is. And women should stay home with their children. I mean, I've been stay-at-home dad, so I have some credibility this way, I hope. But women should stay home with their children and raise them. And this is how culture gets transferred from generation to generation. If you want to destroy a culture, I've worked in a daycare as a teenager, man. There was not a lot of cultural transmission of Greco-Roman Christian values to children. It was just wrangling and trying to get them to not uh, hurt each other too much. So if you want to destroy a culture, you encourage women to go out to work. It's great for the government, extra tax base, also then you get another second tax base of all the people who get paid and therefore pay taxes to take care of the children, and you almost completely destroy cultural transmission of uh, values that occurs, right? So it's all very, uh, very important to, to understand. It's one of the reasons why the 70s was such a void of nihilism and sex addiction and drug addiction and, and all of that, because the, the kids had been dumped in daycare and they grew up and, and things just got to be uh, really, really... Uh, messy and horrible, right? So what's the issue? So the issue is fundamentally around IQ, right? Around intelligence. Look, very few people in the world have jobs that they would do if they weren't paid. Very few people in the world, even in the West, have jobs that they get out of bed and feel enthusiastic about doing and would do even if they won the lottery. And like most people have It's like a friend of mine talked about when he was a a teenager. He said, you know, some people live to work. Like they get up and they love to work and other people work to live. Like you go and you put in your eight hours, you you succumb to the the boss, you you, you pay off the man, and then uh, you can go do your fun stuff evenings and weekends, right? And you have your hobbies, you have your vacations, and you have your family, and, and, you know, you just go work, you punch a clock, you do your job, and then you go have your fun. And that's the majority. Majority of people, and majority of people. And it's very few people who have, you know, like, Movie stars, right? They don't have to do another movie. They could retire if they wanted to, but they enjoy doing their movies. But that's very, very few people. And it's far fewer women than men because those jobs tend to either be high IQ or based on physical beauty, right? Like if you're a model or or if you're the sort of young, hot ingenue in movies, then you have an expiry date, right? Around 30, um, earlier for models sometimes, you you know, the war kicks in and you run out of the ability to milk resources by displaying beauty and fertility signals, like it even features a good hip-to-waist ratio and so on, right? So that's not a lifetime's occupation. 
and then you've you've burned up your peak fertility making money rather than locking down a good husband and so on. So, you know, that's kind of desperate after that. But the other jobs where it's not just youthful beauty or, you know, maybe talent or whatever, but it is uh, high IQ, well, they're just not as available to women as to men. Now, I know, you, you, you hear this normal stuff that the left does, which is anytime there's a any kind of discrepancy in outcome, it's all due to bigotry, sexism, racism, and, and whatever it is, right? So if you see fewer women in physics departments, it's because people who run physics departments hate women and are sexist. I mean, it's not true, but this is what is put forward, and this is why they hate these IQ explanations, and I can already see the scrolling comments of hysteria. They hate the IQ explanations because these are the actual factual explanations, right? Like, if you have a cult that explains the world a certain way, and you make millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars from that cult, anybody who comes along with an actual factual scientific explanation is your enemy and must be destroyed because they're interfering with your your income and your power, right? So the IQ explanations, whether it's for ethnicities or for genders, uh, is, is hated by the left because it interferes with their explanation, which gives them a lot of power and gets a lot of resources to them and, and all of that. So they don't like it, right? So let's look at some of the realities. Now, the first thing I need to put in here is a caveat, right? So James Flynn, who's been on this show, and then I think talked some kind of trash about me to the New Zealand media. Well, he was kind of cornered by aggressive journalists. I I understand. But um, there's this story that says men and women have the same IQs. And the way that you can find that out or the way that you can get those numbers is you simply test men and women or boys and girls when they're in their early to mid-teens, right? And then you will get similar scores, right? Makes sense, right? So I looked at an example here. So James Flynn looked at IQ scores from the ages of 14 to 18, right? And then, you know, out of that kind of data, it's like, yeah, men and women have um, similar uh, IQs, right? But that's, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Yeah, with all due respect to James Flynn, who I like quite a bit. But I mean, it it is kind of ridiculous. It's like going back to when, when kids are like, six years old and and measuring height and saying, well, I mean, men and women, boys and girls have the same height, therefore men and women have the same height. It's like, well, no, before puberty, boys and girls have similar heights. And then after puberty, you know, the male hyperdrive spine extension program kicks in and, and men end up with much more height. And it's the same thing with brain development. It is a foundational reality of nature that that which develops the fastest ends up the least complex or less complex, right? And women's brains stop maturing in their early 20s, and male brains get an extra half decade or so of development and end up more complex. So if you test boys, and there's a time, because again, when you, uh, um, when you grow faster, you end up less complex. So there's a time where female intelligence scores can even outstrip male intelligence scores, particularly in the female strength of language ability. And so if you test at that point, then you say, well, Girls have higher IQs than boys, so how could they not end up in physics departments? It's like, because you're not telling the full story. You need to do your IQ testing after the mid to late 20s, when male brains have reached their full development, right? So when you do that kind of stuff, and you do the proper testing, then, and again, sources to all of this below, you can get mad at me if you want, but it's just hysterical, immature, shooting the messenger. Don't get mad at me, you can get mad at me, but just, it's ridiculous, right? So adult males have an IQ advantage of about four to six IQ points, right? So if men have an average IQ of score of 100, women would score 
96. We can just take the lower end of this. It's fine with me, right? Uh, men have an average brain volume of 1.2 liters compared with one liter for women, right? So the male brain is larger. And this is even after you normalize for body size. The surface area of the male cerebral cortex, that's the, the sort of big part of the brain that makes us most human, was 1,850 square centimeters compared with 1,630 square centimeters for women. Now, sends up with higher IQ for men, particularly in spatial reasoning and so on. Uh, girls have been also shown to have greater empathy at a younger age and be better at reading, right, language scores and so on. And, and you see, this is where you, you find out if it, that all this sexism, then why do women get paid more in pornography? That's supply and demand. Why is it that women get paid more uh, for fashion, for fashion shoots? Because supply and demand. Why, do women, why are women so successful in, in things like novel writing and so on? Because, you know, high language skills and so on and greater empathy to, to empathize with characters. All, all good stuff and, and important stuff, I guess, except for the porn and fashion. But, okay, just the novel writing is the important stuff. So, yeah, so males have uh, an advantage when it comes to IQ after full brain development. But there's another aspect to it as well, which is when you start to look at significantly higher levels of IQ, which is where the genius jobs are and where the great achievements are and where the job satisfaction seems to be, right? Like this is the, 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 the professor emeritus who don't want to retire, who keep teaching, who keep working, who keep doing their lab work in physics or biology or geology or whatever it is, right? My father's a geologist, so I know something about this. He's still, you know, after he retired, he went to, back to, to do more work on his doctoral thesis in, in, in Africa. So, you know, just love to do it, love to do the work, right? It's just like with philosophy. So when you start to get at the super high levels of IQ, women, first of all, they, they tail off, right? There's fewer and fewer women. And then at the highest levels of IQ, there are virtually no women at all, right? So high levels of IQ, four to one male to female, eight to one, 12 to one. And then at the very highest levels of IQ, there are almost no women. It's just, it's just like, sorry, highest IQ is a sausage fest. You know, I, I mean... I'd like it to be different, but, you know, I don't have any levers. I don't have any control. I'm just reporting on the data, right? So the reality is that if you look at the data, right, only 48 of the almost 900 people awarded Nobel Prizes since 1901 have been women. The Fields Medal has only been won by a woman once. Now, of course... The answer as to why only 48 of the almost 900 people awarded Nobel Prizes are women is, you know, the leftists, the feminists say, well, it's all just sexism and it's a boys club and it's patriarchy and blah, 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 right? Which is, it's not true. Because if you normalize for IQ, it fits together almost perfectly. I mean, all you have to remember, just normalize by IQ, normalize by IQ. It's not the sum total of human existence and it doesn't measure one's individual worth as a human being and everyone's a human and I, equality before the law. I get. But if you want to understand discrepancies and disparities, you need to understand normalized by IQ. And if you ever see social data that is not normalized by IQ, it's propaganda and it's incredibly toxic and dangerous stuff, right? Because the government says, or the, the, the leftists through the government say, well, if there aren't enough women, we've got to force people to hire women because we've got to overcome the sexism and sausage fest and patriarchy and, and toxic masculinity of the boys club and blah, blah, blah. It's really, really dangerous. Now, there's an, another reason other than the paucity of women in high IQ uh, segments of the population. There, there's sort of two other things that are important. Number one is that in general, and this was James Damore's point back in the day. Oh, that lawsuit's going well. I've lost track of good old James since he was on the show, but... 
the reality is that women prefer working with people, emotions, language, connection, and men in general prefer working with things, objects, abstracts, and so on, right? Which is, you know, one of the things that I bring to the table, I think, is, you know, I have a good, uh, rigorous, analytical mind, so I can do an entirely new system of ethics called universally preferable behavior. I can do all of that. You know, the art of the argument and my book, Essential Philosophy, you can get the art of the argument at artoftheargument.com. Essential Philosophy is at essentialphilosophy.com. And all the other books are free. You can get them at freedomain.com. So, and you can get Essential Philosophy uh, for free audiobook, and it's here on on YouTube. So I'm good at that kind of analytical stuff, but I'm also very empathetic and very good at talking to people about personal issues, personal problems, which is why there's such a demand for the call-in show. And again, I'm really, really sorry if I'm not getting to you. I'm, I'm doing my best, but there's a lot of other stuff to do at the moment. So yeah, women prefer working with people. And we know this because when women gain additional freedom, uh, economic freedoms and political freedoms, they move out of say, computer science and into the usual, you know, social worker and psychologist and, and uh, nurse and, and so on, uh, working with, with people. That's just natural. So as women get more free, uh, the, the occupations tend to sex segregate. So that's one of the reasons that you know. The other thing, too, is that women who are in the top 2% or higher for general cognitive ability are likely, more likely than men, for sure, who get... I mean, not exactly Aspie, but but get um, less verbally fluid in some ways because you know they're they're like objects in math and thing people. So the women in the top two percent of intelligence are more likely to have strong verbal skills, which mean that they have more options than men for what it is that they're going to pursue. I and mean, if you're a brilliant man and you're a thing-based life form, then you know like engineering and, and physics and mathematics and, and computer science that's going to be your thing, right? But if you're a brilliant woman, and there are many, of course, and you have strong verbal skills, then you're going to have more career options. And, of course, you may have a stronger desire to work in more people-centric uh, areas, right? So if you look at all of this, right, and, and you sort of understand this, then women are being sold a desperate lie, and that desperate lie is turning them to prostitution. So women are being told, you know, you, you, you go to college and you can have a wonderful, enriching, powerful career and and you're going to make a fortune and so on and the reality is kind of not true i mean it's true for some women of course right absolutely but in general it's not going to work out that way and listen it doesn't work out for a lot of men either but it works out for fewer women and so women end up in the situation where they've kind of been lied to about the value of college and their capacity to make money and of course what happens is they get out of college in their mid-20s they try and establish a career and they may get somewhere in their career. But then what happens, of course, is that they get the urge to have kids, they start hitting the wall. And so they turn their attention from their career to getting married and, and having children and so on. And it's really, really tough, right? Because for these women who've accumulated a lot of debt, right? Sometimes 100,000, sometimes even higher, $200,000 in debt. Um, well, they're not very marriable, right? Because men don't want to take on that kind of debt, right? Especially because the woman says, well, you know, I'd like to drop out of the workforce to have kids. And so the men look at them and say, man, so you're coming with $150,000 in debt and you want me to pay you to raise kids too. So I have to pay for the education you're not going to use. And I have to pay for you to raise my kids. You know, sorry, man, like, like I'm going to, I'm going to do the bungee bounce, right? I'm going to bounce in and bounce out to have sex with you and pay off some of your college debt but I don't want to marry you because you're too indebted. And this is one of the great tragedies. People don't talk about this enough. An indebted woman 
is largely unmarriable to any man who has any kind of common sense, right? Any kind of common sense. And people don't talk about the risk of that. They don't talk about what's going to happen because, you know, it's going to take women 20 years to pay off that debt. Let's say they graduate when they're 25, then their debt's not paid off, even if they work hard and, and all of that for, for 20 years, their debt's paid off when they're 45 and they're too old to have kids. A man who wants to have kids is never going to marry a 45-year-old. He's going to marry a younger woman. And if he's got reasonable means, if he's got a decent income, uh, he's going to be able to get a woman who's 30 and, and have his, his family or a woman who's even younger, right? So this is, is terrible. It's absolutely terrifying. And lying to women about all of this kind of stuff is, is horrible. It's so destructive. It's so wretched. It's, it's, well, I don't know. I don't know if the purpose is destruction. You know, like if the feminists just want to undo Western society by making smart women unmarriable and turning them to prostitution based upon the fact that kind of deep down, I mean, come on. I mean, deep down, I mean, most of you women, like, you know, you know that you're not going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. I mean, don't worry, neither am I, right? But I'm just, you know, you're not going to be the next Gloria Allred. You're, I mean, you're not. And again, not that many men are going to be either, but a lot more men than women are going to be able to, to pull that off, right? And of course, men don't have the interruption of pregnancy, having babies, breastfeeding, up half the night, you know, all of that stuff that is why there are people in the world and why we have a civilization and all of that. Men just aren't going to face that. And lying to women about this, about the odds of them being able to pull off a very high IQ, very satisfying career is really tragic. Nobody says, look, statistically, it's, you know, you, you don't have to save for your retirement. You can play the lottery and a few people will, will get to retire. But most of you, of course, will end up eating cat food in your old age. And that's really tragic. So, as I've said a million times before, ladies, have kids when you're young. Have kids in your early 20s. 23 is peak fertility for women. Have kids in your early 20s. And then, when your kids are older, you can, of course, you have another 50 years to work if you want. You can work from 30 to 80 if you want. Nothing wrong with that at all, right? You can, you can do all of that cool stuff. But once you're locked into college and once you've got that kind of debt, you know, there's damaged goods like you were a cam girl. There's damaged goods like you've slept with 10 or 20 guys. There's damaged goods like you've been a prostitute to pay your student loans. And then there's damaged goods like you're just too in debt to marry. Guys may have sex with you. They may date you for a little while, but you're a placeholder, man. That's uh, something really needs to be discussed. And, you know, if you've got a daughter, talk about this with her. What's going to happen when you get into that kind of debt? That's not, uh, not at all what men are going to be looking for.